Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Would you wave at somebody? Let them know that you are excited. They are here today. We're here to worship our Heavenly Father. Amen. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain is all I know. Oh, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Amen. Shake no longer has a place to hide. captive to the light. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. Oh, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Good that he's done in your life, knowing that he will never. 
never forsake you, that his perfect love has cast out every single ounce of fear. Amen, amen, amen. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Praise you, Lord.
Oh. 
Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands right now. Sweet presence of the Lord in this place. We lift our hands to you, Lord, and we receive. We receive all that Jesus has provided for us. We declare in the name of Jesus that the life of God quickens our mortal bodies. We speak to sickness and disease and we tell it to go. And we declare that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. We declare that the power of God is at work within us, at work in our bodies, at work in our minds, strengthening our spirits. We receive all that Jesus has provided for us. So we declare it is ours. Strength is ours. Wisdom is ours. Health is ours. Peace is ours. For your name is holy. Your name is mighty. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus. We declare the name of Jesus over our lives, over our families, over our church. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We wait in your presence. We honor your presence. We thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. In us and among us. Wonderful, Lord. Wonderful, Jesus. Thank you. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We expect you, O Lord, to do even above that which we ask or could even think. We thank you for the supernatural at work in our lives. We expect it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. There's a book by John G. Lake. 
recounts his experiences with God and just his life. The name of that book is called Adventures with God. And life should never be boring, amen, but in, in Christ and in God, it's always an adventure, amen, because those supernatural is at work in us and through us, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Why don't you uh, greet somebody this morning, find out their name if you don't know their name. We're going to dismiss the kids to Kids Church at this time. You can go line up back at the back door. Hallelujah. And we want to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us this morning via Facebook and YouTube. We're so glad that you're with us. We know that you're going to be ministered to by the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope everybody's staying cool this weekend. Although we've had it this hot before. And even hotter. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it rained. How many of you had rain yesterday? Yeah? We finally had some at our house last night, but I guess up in uh, Rancho Santa Margarita and even Foothill Ranch, there was even thunderstorms up here. and Yeah, uh, nice. We were wanting it. We were telling it to come by us. And um, so we finally got a little bit yesterday evening, and we opened the windows so we could hear it. And then I didn't hear it quite enough. I really like the sound of rain because I'm from Michigan. I asked Alexa to play rain for me. Rain sounds. Don't ever ask her to play thunder for you because she will not stop talking about all your choices for thunder. Yeah, she just would not be quiet. But then I finally asked her for rainfall, and she went there right away. And so anyway, just a little trivia there. Praise the Lord. We want to let you know next Sunday after the morning service, uh, our new group, the 55-plus gang is going to be, uh, I forgot, where, where are they going to be? Wahoo Tacos up here in Foothill Ranch. Uh, yeah, that's where they're going to go. They had a great time last month of fellowship. And so, um, so uh, if you're 55-plus or if you feel like you're 55-plus, <laughs> you're invited to go. Amen. We wanted to just let you know, um, one of the missionaries that we support and have supported uh, for, I, I, you know, after you start supporting people for 25 years, you lose track. And um, I'm pretty sure it's been over 25 years that we've been supporting Greg and Judy Lambert, not Greg, Fred rhymes, Fred and Judy Lambert in Austria uh, was about... It, it was over 25 years ago, and at that time, they had not been there very long, and uh, Pastor Mike just really had that on their heart, on his heart. At that time, they did not have very much support, and they were just kind of getting off the ground, but he really believed in their vision, and um, so just, they're going to, the guys are going to throw up some slides. They're not in any particular order. Um, they're just going to throw up, and you're just going to see different pictures. Uh, they have a church in Wells. Uh, Austria, which is called the Free Christian Church, and um, they also uh, have uh, started, they have a numerous Rhema Bible uh, colleges around uh, Austria, and um, 
there's at least, oh no, they have six, excuse me, they have six campuses with about 260 students in those campuses that are, that are, in, uh, that are enrolled. Um, they also have, um, uh, they have one bilingual campus, which I thought was interesting, English with a German translation, and then they also have other schools that are solely German speaking. Um, they have different, um, they're in uh, places such as in Bavaria. They listed everything here, but I wasn't going to read all the details because we wouldn't know where it was anyway. But Bavaria, we know, so I'm mentioning that one. So six different campuses. Um, some other things that are interesting. Oh, they have... Um, they have, their children uh, started a n number of years ago, maybe about seven years ago. They have a youth band, and then they do a, um, it's called Worship Revolution, and it's one of the largest youth outreaches in all of Austria. They've seen many young people born again. When they first went there to Austria, there was not much happening at all, and God has been so faithful to them that over these years, they have really seen a harvest. Now, it's not like you might see, you know, uh, thousands upon thousands in some countries, but for this area of the world, it's it's a harvest. Um, it's just the differences. Different countries are different. People are different wherever you go, and um, so they have seen a real harvest. Um, they also have um, national conferences, missions conferences, uh, each year, and as a result, they're able to bring all the various um, Rama churches and also uh, the different schools all together. Um, they have also produced youth and children's videos in the German language, and that's to help uh, small churches who are unable to have any kind of youth or children's ministry. So they, they produce videos, and then they send them out to those uh, smaller churches. Oh, it, uh, excuse me. They have been in Austria, they said, here for 27 years. So um, we're just so thankful for them. They've invited us to come over and visit them a few times, and every time uh, we, we haven't. <laughs> And, um, uh, but we do keep in touch with them, and they had, during COVID, they had some really severe uh, lockdowns and um, some really austere and severe things. They wondered if they would ever, you know, but come out of it, but they never stopped. Uh, they did live streams, and things continued to expand even during those times. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. So just thought we would let you know about it. I think they have a picture of them up there. Yeah, did you guys see a picture of them? I bet it wasn't up there, was it? Was there a picture of just a man and a lady? No. I think I forgot to put that in there. My bad. Oh, well. There you have it. <laughs> uh, they're probably one of the speakers in there. These are some of the um, Bible schools that they have. Those are all pictures. That's one of the, oh, there's Fred and Judy right there. He's in the middle and she is to his, it's probably you're seeing it to the right, I think. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, we're going to ask the ushers to come at this time. We're going to receive our uh, tithes and offerings. If uh, you can't find an envelope in the seat around you, just lift your hand and these gentlemen will help you. You can also give electronically and there's information up on the screens as to how you can do that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, for your promise to provide for us. We honor you 
with the first fruits of that which we earn. And it's a symbol, Father, of our devotion and our love and our worship unto you. We thank you, Father, for meeting our needs, the needs of all the families in our church, Father. You provide abundantly and that there is no lack. We thank you, Father, for divine protection. And we thank you, Lord, for the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have given the offering, feel free to stand and join us again for worship.
your name we exalt you as our king of kings and lord of lords we thank you father for the presence of the holy spirit that's here today we thank you for direction and utterance in the precious and holy name of jesus open our eyes lord that we might see who we are like we've never seen or known before in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is questioned by the disciples about when he's coming back and the end of times and so forth. Verse 14, after telling them different events and conditions that um, will take place and be prevalent in the last days. He says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Notice that phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus defined it when he was giving the disciples the Lord's Prayer and instructing them on how to pray. He said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of God is the will of God being made manifest on the earth. Now folks, God never changes. He said of himself, I am God, I change not. And since he never changes, he wouldn't have two different wills. He wouldn't have a will for what would be done in heaven and a different will for what would be done on the earth. In fact, the uh, creation account in Genesis tells us that he made a perfect paradise for man to live in. He made everything here on the earth just as it was in heaven. And it continued to be so until the fall of man and the disobedience and, and uh, the sin that entered the world as a result. So the gospel of the kingdom is where the will of God is done in the earth, just like it is in heaven. Now there are several scriptures that the Bible tells us about and shows us concerning the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that, John was put in prison Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, 
teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Well, we see the sickness, uh, healing from sickness and disease is a part of the kingdom of God. It's the will of God for man to be free from sickness and disease, and that's why he didn't create it when he made the earth. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Further confirmation that healing, physical healing, is a part of the gospel of the kingdom. Luke chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus is commissioning the 70 to, uh, to go and preach. He says in verse 8, And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. It couldn't be clearer that healing is a part of the kingdom of God. But into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus is being accused of casting out devils by the power of the devil. And he summarizes it and says this, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So deliverance from demonic oppression is a part of the kingdom of God as well. Now what does the preaching of the kingdom of God look like? Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it tells us after Jesus was uh, anointed by John, baptized by John in the Jordan River and the anointing of God came down upon him. He went into the wilderness and was tempted of the devil for 40 days. But in verse 14 it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, he said, this is talking about me. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do here also in, our, in thy country. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And, they all, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. 
and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereon the city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. In Mark chapter 6, it tells us Mark's account, it goes a little further and adds something that I think is worth seeing. Here in verse 5, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. That word sick means sickly. In other words, the only results, the only healing results he got were a few folks with minor ailments. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went round about the villages teaching. Now here we see Jesus claiming to be anointed and he must have preached the same thing in the other cities that he went to first. Luke says that there went a fame of him after he returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. Well, he's going to different cities, different locations and preaching to them. We know that he preached in Capernaum. He said so. And he got results, mighty works being healed and so forth. He got results in Capernaum he's just as anointed in Capernaum as he is in Nazareth just as anointed in Nazareth as he is in Capernaum but he didn't get any results in Nazareth and he marveled because of their unbelief now folks what does this tell us about God's will it was the will of God for Capernaum to be healed it was the will of God according to Jesus preaching for Nazareth to be healed and the sick in Nazareth to, to be delivered from that sickness and disease. So we see that the will of God being done in the earth came about as a result of Jesus being anointed of the Holy Ghost. All gospel accounts tell us about Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan River. And each one tells us about the Spirit of God descending on Jesus and remaining upon him. Now, folks, let's think about this for a minute. Jesus couldn't have been ministry on the earth by the Son of God or because he was the Son of God. He could not have been operating in some inherent power that he had before he was born of woman and came to the earth. If he was, if his power was inherent in him, then why would he need to be baptized by John in the Jordan River? And if he was if already empowered by the Holy Ghost before he was baptized, then why did the Spirit of God descend on him in visible form or in visible shape like a bird that would fly down from the heavens and land and remain on him? Who can anoint God? He wasn't operating as the Son of God here on the earth. <clears throat> he was operating as the Son of Man. There are 65 times in the four Gospels where Jesus is referred to as either the Son of God or the Son of Man. And 63 of them, he calls himself the Son of Man. Jesus was operating here on the earth as a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. So God's will, God displays or demonstrates his will over sickness and disease, but not in opposition or not against the will of man. 
Remember, God made man to have dominion on the earth. Genesis 1, verse 26, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the works of our hands. God made man to be the one who is given dominion in the earth. And so Jesus, even operating by the power of God, is not going to usurp man's will. That's why in Nazareth, because of their unbelief, he was unable to do the things that God anointed him to do. He was unable to bring about results that God empowered him to bring about. Man is the one that has dominion. Man decides what will be done or not be done unto him. Even when it's the will of God that's supplying the power to, to heal the sick and to deliver the oppressed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have questions and, and uh, are confused about what God wants for them. You hear a lot of people say in the body of Christ today that healing is of God. God certainly has the power to heal the sick, but he doesn't want everybody to be healed. Well, folks, if Jesus gave us the true definition where the kingdom of God is the, the will of God being done on the earth just like it is in heaven, then we would have to conclude that those who say that God doesn't want everybody to be healed on the earth would not want everybody to be healed in heaven either. Well, that's dumb. Everybody knows there's no sickness or disease in heaven. Everybody knows there's no satanic oppression in heaven. Nobody would even dare say that sickness and disease or demonic oppression was present in heaven in any form whatsoever. That would be blasphemous and understood to be so by almost everybody. So Jesus declares to us, and the Bible gives us record, of what God wants for his people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee. Now there's a, a, a story in John chapter 2 about the wedding at Cana of Galilee. This is immediately after Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit into Galilee after he has completed the temptation of the devil for those 40 days. And it tells us that at the marriage ceremony that they ran out of wine. Now Jesus... Uh, let me read it rather than just refer to it. John chapter 2. I'll get it in a second. Beginning in verse 1. In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. 
And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now, folks, why would Mary come to Jesus? John tells us at the end of the story that this is the first miracle that Jesus performed. If it's the first miracle that Jesus performed, then why is she coming to him expecting a miracle? Jesus' comment or his response, woman, what have I to do with, with you? My hour is not yet come, indicates that he didn't, at that point in time, he wasn't directed by the Holy Ghost or impressed upon the Holy Ghost, impressed upon by the Holy Ghost to perform any sort of miracle in this situation. But notice what Mary said. After it seemed that she was rebuked, she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. What experience has she had with Jesus in the 30 years of his earthly life? What experience does she have that would cause her to tell the, the servants to obey whatever he said to do? If he's never performed a miracle before, then what's she looking for? And why does she say, obey his words? Well, folks, Jesus, before he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, was walking as a righteous man in the earth. And as a righteous man in the earth, he was given dominion. He had dominion in his life, just like you and I have dominion in our lives. And as a result, as a covenant partner with God, there had to have been things that had taken place in his private life that would have been miraculous for her his mother to take the position that she took. She comes to him for help. What is she expecting? This woman that Mary, his mother, is expecting something to be done to can alleviate or can uh, fix the problem that they have by being out of wine. So what does that mean to us? Is it possible that Jesus, throughout his life, by his words, have provided for his family in supernatural ways? Well, there would be no other reason for her to tell the servants to honor his words or to obey his words. So then why was Jesus needed, why did Jesus need to be anointed of, of the Holy Ghost by being baptized by John in the Jordan River? Because of the anointing that came upon him, he was able to minister healing and deliverance to others. The anointing of the Holy Ghost in the baptism of John in the Jordan River didn't change anything for Jesus in his personal life, but it empowered him to bring healing and deliverance to others. Wouldn't it be great to have a history of Jesus' private life before he was anointed of the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't it be awesome to see the things that took place in his life 
as a part of the covenant relationship that Israel had with God the Father. Here Jesus, by living a sinless life, was heir to the promises of God, to the blessings and provisions of God. And we see that it must have taken place in some kind of supernatural or miraculous manner. I've used those as interchangeable terms in this, in this setting. But there had to have been some supernatural or miraculous thing that had taken place in his life for his mother to recognize that his words have something to do with the results that they got. Jesus' earthly life has been a, a lesson to his parents and to his brothers and sisters on how to operate and exercise dominion in this world. So she said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You remember the rest of the story. Jesus told them to fill the, the water pots with water and then bear out the water to the governor of the feast. And from the time that they take the water out of the pots and present it to the governor of the feast, it changed from water into wine. And this was the first miracle that occurred or took place in Jesus' ministry on the earth. You remember Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good and healing those that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus had to be anointed to operate as the Messiah. He had to operate by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said over and over again when people would credit him with the miracles, things, supernatural things that took place, he would credit it back to the Holy Spirit. He would say, I'm not the one doing the works. Again, it's a reference to him having laid aside his heavenly power and glory and came to the earth. One translation says in Philippians chapter 1 that he emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. He emptied himself. It was of choice to come to the earth because he had to operate as a man anointed of God in order for God's plan of redemption to be completed. So he emptied himself of his heavenly power and glory. Now folks, remember in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. The rain, Hosea chapter 6 tells us, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. So when it says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, whereas it had a um, geographical reference to the Jews praying for rain to harvest their crops, this rain that is talking about symbolically to the church is the moving of the Holy Ghost or the outpouring of the Spirit of God. 
So he said, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds. This word bright clouds is the word lightning. It's a display of God's power. But you also remember in the Old Testament that God appeared to the people of Israel in a cloud. He would talk to Moses in a cloud. When Solomon's temple was dedicated, the Bible says the priest couldn't stand to minister by reason of the cloud. So the cloud is a reference to the manifestation of God's presence. So ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord shall make bright clouds, which is a manifestation of his presence, or lightnings, which is a display of his power, and give them showers of rain. Now, if rain still means the Holy Ghost, then the showers of rain would be manifestations of the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Well, if God didn't want the people ignorant back then, he doesn't want people to be ignorant today. You know that you were idols carried away into the, or Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. There were manifestations of demonic activity that were taking place alongside manifestations of the Holy Ghost. So Paul is trying to bring understanding. He's saying that since the Holy Ghost manifests or uh, glorifies Jesus, then nobody that's speaking anything to curse Jesus would be speaking by the Spirit of God. He says, now there are diversities of, of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith or special faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings. Every time this uh, word or phrase gifts of healings is used, both gift and healing is in the plural. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now what does this look like? What are we to, to gather and understand about these gifts or these manifestations of the Spirit? Well, we go to the book of Acts, chapter 3, and it tells us how God operates or how he operated in the early days of the church. Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, 
and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which he was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Now, folks, most people in the body of Christ today say that, that healing died out with the apostles because they had some special power or some special form of holiness or righteousness because they were with Jesus. And that's the very thing that, Paul, that Peter said it wasn't. If Peter was able to, to heal this crippled man because of some special power that he had that nobody else could have, then why wouldn't he tell us? Or if he had some special relationship or righteousness or holiness because he had been with Jesus that's different than what anybody else can have, then why wouldn't he have said so? He simply says, very concisely, why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now we, say, we saw in Luke chapter 4, that it was the will of God to provide healing and deliverance for the people that Jesus was ministering to. The people in Capernaum accepted it, believed it, and they got tremendous miracles that took place among them. But the people in Nazareth rejected the power of God because they wouldn't believe that Jesus could be anointed. They thought he was Joseph's son, and that was all that he was, was Joseph's son. And so they concluded that he couldn't have power to perform the works, the healing works and miracles that they had heard about him doing in Capernaum. Now, folks, think about how stupid that is. They've heard about miracles being done in Capernaum. They've heard that he's performed miracles and healings and deliverance to the people that needed it in Capernaum. But they're going to take the position, and they did take the position, that because they knew his parents, he couldn't do it in, their, in his own hometown. Well, what are they going to do, and how are they going to explain away the Capernaum example? He was just as much Joseph's son in Capernaum as he was in Nazareth. So whatever they think they know about him that would preclude or forbid him to be able to do miracles in Nazareth, how are they going to explain away what they have heard and know for certain that he did and the results that he produced when he was in Capernaum? And it apparently wasn't just in Capernaum. If Luke's uh, account is accurate, it says there went out a fame of him round about into all the cities. So he must have been somewhere else besides just being in Capernaum doing the same thing and receiving the same results. So we can conclude from this that God's will is to demonstrate his power 
to heal and deliver people for the purpose of glorifying his son Jesus. That's exactly what Peter says here. He says, not by our own power, our own holiness that we made this man to walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has performed this mighty work to glorify his son Jesus. Verse 13 again, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now, as we said before, God never changes. So if God was willing to demonstrate by healing miracles and glorify his son Jesus, why is he unwilling to do the same thing now? in the day that we live in. Are we not taking the same position as the people in Nazareth if we don't expect the power of God to be manifested to set people free? We've heard that he's done it in other places. We see through the four Gospels that it was in great abundance. The healings and the miracles were in great abundance. John said if everything Jesus said and did was written down, the world couldn't contain the books. Well, then we would have to conclude there were more people healed than the ones we have record of in the four Gospels. So we see that the will of God, which is the kingdom of God, the will of God in the earth is for people to be healed and miracles to be displayed for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. He goes on to say, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and have killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, which you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now folks, remember over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the things that uh, is identified as a manifestation of the Spirit, is faith. We made the mention that it's special faith, and I think it's important for us to think of it in those terms because we have saving faith already. But the manifestation of the gift of faith is something that goes further than just providing for us. The gift of faith is something that receives a miracle and that's exactly what took place here. And his name, through faith in his name. Even the faith which is by him. Now we know that Peter operated in the gift of faith in other places. One notable place is in Acts chapter 9. It tells us that he raised a woman from the dead. Well, you can't do that without the gift of faith. Special faith is necessary. More than saving faith is necessary to bring about that result. So Peter apparently has experience in at least two places, two things that we can be sure of, where the manifestation of special faith operates in him to, to receive a miracle. Now, receiving a miracle through the gift of faith is different from working of miracles. And one of the, the ways that we can highlight the difference is in the Old Testament, Samson 
ripped a lion apart by his jaws. He worked a miracle by taking the lion in his hand and ripping him apart. But Daniel, after being thrown in the lion's den, received a miracle by laying down and sleeping overnight. Both were, were, were miraculous results that carried forth in different ways. Just as the scripture said we read a minute ago, there are diversities of operations. These things can operate in different ways. Now let's keep reading in Acts chapter 3. Let's skip over to, to uh, the fourth verse, or fourth chapter, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did, but not the Sadducees. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and, and scribes, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, as many as were with the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now according to Luke, both the gospel that bears his name and the, the, book, of, uh, the book of Acts tells us that Annas and, and Caiaphas were the two of the main priests operating the high priest position that put Jesus to death. Now Peter and John know this. They know these are the same guys that called for the crucifixion of Jesus. And I think that makes their statements even that, more, even that much more important or critical because they know exactly who they're dealing with. And remember, these were the ones that they were hiding behind closed doors before Jesus appeared to them and breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost, and they became born again. And when they had set them in the midst, verse 7, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. I marvel at his boldness. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any, any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I wonder if God wants to perform miracles in these last days that nobody can speak against. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them. It's manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They want to. They would if they could. 
but they can't deny it. But that it, that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. That's what they want to do. They want to deny that this thing took place, and they want to inflict harm on them for preaching in the name of Jesus. But they found nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Skip with me over to chapter 5. First part of the chapter is the story of Ananias and Sapphira who conspire to lie about the money that they're giving to the church to gain some position in the church apparently. And after that in verse 12, Acts 5 verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join, him to, join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed Everyone. Folks, one of the things that we should point out concerning gifts of healings, gifts of healings works in a couple of different ways that we know of and, and certainly can work in different ways than just what we may, may, make mention of. But there are times when the Holy Ghost will manifest himself for to heal certain people with a specific sickness or a specific disease. I know that Brother Hagin said one time that the Lord uh, prompted him to call everybody that had anything wrong with him from their hips down. And there were all kinds of things that people came with, leg problems, knee problems, hip problems, feet problems, and so forth. And everybody was healed that was in that particular type of distress. But he said it was the only time that it ever happened. 
It was the only occasion he had in the over 60 years of ministry. But there are other times when gifts of healings is in manifestation that everybody is healed no matter what type of condition or disease they're bound by. Now again, we see in Acts chapter 5 that everybody was healed. So we can conclude by that, from that, that just as Jesus identified in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives, to preach, deliver, to preach blind eyes opening, and so forth, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It was the will of God for everybody to be healed. Well, if it was the will of God for everybody to be healed then, it's the will of God for everybody to be healed now. Now again, let me refer you back to Zechariah chapter 10. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And he shall make bright clouds or lightnings. And give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Now I'm going to break this down a little bit and take out some of the words so that we gain a better perspective. Ask ye of the Lord rain and the Lord shall give them showers of rain. Ask of the Lord rain, and the Lord shall give them showers of rain. Again, that showers of rain has to be manifestations of the Spirit of God, manifestations of the Holy Ghost, revelation gifts, utterance gifts, and power gifts. Now, folks, we've been asking for the rain for a long time. We've been praying this for over a decade. Specifically, consistently, diligently, faithfully. But I'm not sure that we put our faith on the giving, the things that he said he'd give us as a result. Ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Done that. And the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. Zechariah 10.1 is a testament to the moving of the Holy Ghost for our church. God said unequivocally that if we would ask for the rain in the last days, he would display his power, he would manifest his presence, and he would give us manifestations of the Spirit of God. He would cause the word of wisdom to operate and the word of knowledge to operate, discerning of spirits to operate, diverse kinds of tongues to operate, interpretation of tongues to operate, the gift of prophecy to operate. 
special faith to operate, working of miracles to operate. I'm leaving one out. Which one is it? Power gifts, gifts of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing. He promised, he declared that those things would manifest because we prayed for the rain. Now, folks, there's only one thing that would disqualify this, and that would be if we're not in the latter days. Any possibility of that? It has never been clearer that we are coming upon the very end of time more than it is clear now. So he said, ask of the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain, and he'll make bright clouds, manifest his presence, display his power, and give us manifestations of the Holy Ghost. We've got a promise that we need to stand on. We've got a promise we need to believe in. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We need to start believing for, we need to start confessing that the will of God is done in this church just as it is in heaven. By that I specifically mean healing for everybody in the church that needs healing. Deliverance for everybody in the church that needs deliverance. From big problems to small problems. From big circumstances to small circumstances. Ask you of the Lord reign in the time of the latter reign. So shall the Lord make bright clouds or lightnings and give them showers of rain. I was meditating on some things this week and I went back over to Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 and I know that I've been preaching on it for a long time folks. I know that I keep saying the same things about the end but I'm, I'm doing the best I know to, to do to share the things that are on my heart and I can't get away from these things. I can study on different subjects, but it doesn't change the fact that this is what's on my heart. Ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So shall the Lord make bright clouds. We need to believe for the manifestation of his spirit, his presence, and we need to believe for the demonstration of his power. And he said that he would give us showers of rain. Manifestations of the Spirit. These manifestations are divided separately as He wills. And they're given to every man to profit with all. So, folks, I'm not just saying 
believe God that the manifestation of the Spirit will work through me. I want them to work through me, but I want them to work through you too. Because the bottom line is, I just want to see people delivered. I want to see people healed. I don't really care how it comes about. I don't really care who gets the credit outside of Jesus. But remember, Jesus said the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. That means with a display of power. And then shall the end come. The Bible says Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. I believe the glorious church means a healed church. I believe the glorious church means a church full of people set free from the power of the devil. When I read the things that happened in the early days of the church through the book of Acts, I can't help but be aware of the joy that God the Father would have when he saw his children doing the same works that Jesus did, just like he said we would do. Well, if you receive joy in the early days of the church, in the early reign, then why would he not be joyful when the Latter-day Church does the same thing? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for spiritual gifts. Thank God for displays of his power. Father, we've done our part. We've asked you for the rain. Now we ask you to fulfill your promise on what you said you'd do. We seek lightnings and bright clouds. We seek the manifestation of the Spirit to set people free, not just to tickle our own ears so that we can say God used us, but manifestations of the Spirit that will produce results to help our brothers and sisters. And Father, we look for the experience that we have here in the church with the Holy Ghost to embolden us to take the Holy Ghost with us out to work so that we can help others and set them free and see notable miracles done outside the church and not just inside. Lord, you said, ask of you rain in the time of the latter rain, and you would do these things. You would manifest your presence. You would display your power. You would cause manifestations of the Holy Ghost to be upon us. And you would give us grass in the field. Blessed be your holy name, Jesus.
Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for the rain, Father. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for making the church to live up to who we've been made in Christ Jesus. In this day of great evil that's taking place in this country, glorify the name of Jesus and make the church glorious. We love you, Father. We have no one to trust in but you. We have nothing to trust in but your word. Bless your name, Jesus. So, Father, we ask you to heal everyone in this church. Bring healing to everyone that is ill or infirmed or diseased. We ask you to deliver everyone in this church from the bondage of the enemy. You said, Lord, that if we continued in your word, we would be your disciples and we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Say this after me. I believe because we have asked of the Lord rain that the manifestation of his presence and the display of his power and giving us manifestations of the spirit shall all take place to usher people into his goodness and bring people into his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Folks, as many times as you think about it and see that you do think about it, as many times as you think about it, say those things to you. Say those things out loud where you can. Because we've asked for the rain the manifestation of the Holy Ghost is ours. Say that. It would enhance and enrich the experience we have if we're all on the same page. So the more we can confess it, the more we can remind God of his promise, the more we can expect him to make good on his promise. Amen? Amen. God bless you.
Thanks for being with us.